Hello, and welcome to the Ever Widening Circles podcast, designed to give you more joy, less fear, and no end to the evidence that a bright future is possible. We want you to hear from thought leaders in a wave of progress well underway around the globe that almost no one knows about. This podcast will give you hope for the future and help you take control of your life online. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles. Since 2014, we've been restoring people's hope by writing thousands of articles and connecting them to thousands of innovators and thought leaders who are changing the future for us all. And along the way, I've been having incredible conversations with these thought leaders that we're now sharing with the world. Today, we're going to meet Sydney Weiss. I hope I pronounced that right. Sydney, are you there? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, great. I'll tell a little bit about you and then I'll let you fill us in on all the rest. Sydney's founder of an amazing podcast called Seek the Joy, which just celebrated its, its third year recently. Sydney is all about celebrating connection, wellness, opportunities for joy in our lives, and so much more. And that makes her one of the charter members of this current conspiracy of goodness that I'm always talking about. Today, I'm going to give Sydney the opportunity to share some of her best insights, the things that she's learned from the many conversations she's had with people who have dedicated their lives to bringing out the best in us all. Sure, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there, but Sydney and I are going to dive into the rest of the story today about each other and the world. So welcome, Sydney. Help me further introduce people to your work. Hi, well, thank you. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. And I'm so happy and honored to be here. Um, My name is Sydney Weiss. I am the host, producer, and founder of Seek the Joy podcast. And the way that I love to describe the show is it's really your go-to podcast for heartfelt storytelling and conversations on such a broad array of topics from self-love, connection, joy, empowerment, and spirituality. And the show is really inspired by our ongoing growth and our journey towards empowerment and getting to know ourselves and identifying our passions. And so I've been doing it for three years. It's been an unbelievable ride. And in addition to that, I'm also a lawyer. So lawyer by day, podcaster by day. I've got a lot of different hats that I that I wear, but that's a little bit about the show. I, I mean, I've interviewed over, gosh, like a hundred people and I've had amazing conversations. And so um, I'm sure you know this too, Dr. Linda. I mean, you learn so much from mm-hmm. every connection, every conversation. There's always a moment that I take with me that I sit with through the rest of the day after having one of those conversations. It's It's been really uh, life-changing and empowering for me to to be on this joy-seeking journey through through a podcast. Well, I think we're all there now. I think if we were on autopilot in our lives, our working lives and our personal lives before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. we've all gone, whoa, hold up a minute. (laughs) And it's really allowed us to examine our priorities and some things that we valued before are even more valuable and other things I'm seeing us kind of let go. And I imagine that that comes through what we, what we prioritize probably gets a lot more clarity every time you talk to one of your guests. If you, if you just run down Sydney's episodes, the titles and the people that, that Sydney's talking to, you know, these are people that are, that have solved some problems for themselves and sharing their methodology, sharing 
the, the new landscape they're in with the rest of us. And that mm-hmm. is, that's a kind of community. That's a kind of sharing that is the antidote to the loneliness we usually get from the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what two things that you said that really struck me, one was about this year and about how we're prioritizing our time and how we're prioritizing our own wellness and what's important to us. And and I've found this throughout my whole life, but this year especially, there's always an interrupter. There's always a moment that... Um, serves to wake you up, I think, in a really profound way. And sometimes it happens on an individual, personal level. And then sometimes that interrupter is on a collective level, on a community level. And so what's been so fascinating about my own experiences in 2020, but then mirroring that as well has been all these conversations I've had. And just like you said, people finding the year to be an interrupter for them, finding that it to be a year where they're learning to prioritize um what is important to them and what they they care about. And I think that's probably the biggest gift of 2020 has been the ability to to reprioritize. So I love what you said because I think it's so it's so on point and so timely. But you're right too. I mean every conversation I've had, someone has a different perspective on what this time means for them, how they've been utilizing this time to their benefit, whether that has meant an increased amount of self-reflection and identifying, you know, is the career they're in really their passion? Is this really what they want to do? Or do I want to spend more time with my family or my friends? Or do I have a passion project, you know, on the side that I want to be so much more? So the perspectives that I've really been privy to, it's been an honor. Honestly, it's been really wonderful. I mean, it's helped me as well to, to listen to these perspectives and everyone has a different understanding, you know, of what this time means for them. And it's, it's helped me to take a step back as well mm-hmm. and, and really have those moments of reflection and an understanding for me too. Yeah, that this is, you know, this is at the essence of what we like to point to at ever widening circles. Mm. That that expression "we're all in this together" has become so cliche, but <laughs> I wish no, I could. No, it's true. I it's wish true. I could think of a better way to say it, so it didn't mm-hmm. sound so cliche. But uh, it goes back to the name of our project, mm-hmm. ever widening circles. I mean, this is it. No matter what we do and say, it goes. It's like a pebble tossed into a pond. Mm-hmm. It goes out. What we do and say goes out in ever-widening circles and will land on shores that we can't imagine. And that's good things or bad things. Mm-hmm. So so I think, you know, it's inescapable that we're all in this together. Yeah, and so, I think it's beautiful. And it's such a timely yeah. reminder because we do feel more alone this year than ever. And yeah. so if you can remember that whatever you share or whatever you say, whether it's a conversation with a friend or something you post online, I think it can serve as a comfort to know that it will reach somebody else. Yeah. That it'll reach maybe somebody you know or somebody you don't know too. And mm-hmm. for me, that that means that's been a huge comfort to know that and to, to trust that as well, because in a moment where you feel alone with your feelings or your emotions or something that happened to you right, wrong, or indifferent, it's incredibly isolating and it's lonely. So to know that, like what you said, that analogy of tossing a pebble into a pond, that ripple effect, it'll reach more people. I like to hold on to it as like a beautiful reminder mm-hmm. and it helps me to feel connected, you know, even in moments where, where we don't feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like uh, the direction we're going here because it also ties into something. I'm, I'm not sure. I We had a very brief conversation yesterday <laughs> so that we could be authentic today. But yesterday, I'm not sure I mentioned to you, but I recently published a book called Happiness is an Option. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, it, and it gives us four simple shifts that we can use to 
to turn the internet around. Its role in our lives can become truly additive and positive. Anyway, I'm working on the second book and I just wrote down a few things you said. Okay. And I'm going to quote you on a few things, Sydney, that you just Mm -hmm. said. I think it's really important that we understand and have some self-awareness about the power of the interrupter. You said there is always an interrupter. And my first impulse is to think of all interruptions as negative. Mm. But you think of them as as moments to pause, which is something I'm always harping at people about. (laughs) We've got to pause before we follow our emotions over a cliff. Absolutely. You, do you have a good story about an interrupter that you can think of that what you want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, you you summed up my point of view very beautifully there when you said that an interrupter is actually a positive thing. Because I think in the moment, you're right, we do see it as negative. We see it as a setback or as a roadblock or something that's preventing us from getting to where we want to be. But actually, those interrupters allow you or afford you the opportunity to reevaluate and to reassess and to determine where in fact you're going and is it what you want? Is it what you're excited or passionate about? And does it align with really who you are at your core? And so I guess I'll pull the biggest interrupter for me was when I didn't pass the California bar exam the first time. And it came at a moment in my life where my entire self-worth was defined by and ex- something external for me, external uh, meaning I defined who I was based upon my success, based upon a grade I would get or if I would pass a test or what other people thought about me. It was all something separate from who I am at my core. And at the moment when I didn't pass the bar, it actually also came after six months of an incredibly difficult health journey from having shingles at 25 to having my appendix removed in an emergency surgery two months prior to not passing the bar. And so I had all this going on. And I remember the moment I didn't pass the bar and I sat on the floor in my parents' living room and the things I was saying to myself were so mean and so nasty. I would never say those things now. And you sit and you wallow, you have a moment of self-pity. And then I woke up the next day and I said, we are going to figure this out. I am going to figure this out. And so I picked myself up and I started to really dive deep in the moment without actually even realizing it about the way I was basing my self-worth and identifying the negative self-talk and embarking on a real health journey with my health, uh, both emotional and physical and mental as well. And by the time I came out of that journey, this nine-month period, and I sat for the bar the second time, I was a totally different person. And so, of course, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But looking back on it, even a month after I went through that nine-month experience, I really understood that not passing the bar afforded me the greatest gift, which was to get to know me which was to understand the ins and outs of my personality, my habits, what I love, what I don't like, uh, what I'm passionate about, how I wanted to be in the world, both in the, the outside world, but also within my world. And so it was really the greatest gift that I ever had. And, and at the end of that, I did pass the bar that second time. Um, but through that is really what started Seek the Joy because about two months after sitting for the bar, I decided I really wanted to create a way to connect with other people who had similar journeys or experiences or just simply wanted to hop on a microphone and be vulnerable and share who they are and share their journey. Um, and 
that's really where the podcast was born and what led me to talking to you today. And so I think for anyone listening, if you have a moment of adversity or a year of adversity or years of it, and you're questioning, you know, whether you are where you are supposed to be, I would encourage you to take a step back and think about, well, am I supposed to learn something from this moment? What is this supposed to teach me? Is it supposed to teach me about who I am in the world? Is it supposed to teach me about what it is that I value, what it is that I care about, what it is that I'm passionate about? And it's from that space that you also start to identify your joy and what really lights you up, you know, from the inside out, which will carry you through, which will allow you to push through any roadblock or setback or interrupter. So yeah, I think that would definitely be the biggest so far in my life, the, the biggest interrupter I've had. Absolutely. So you're talking about something that is really fundamental to a podcast interview I did several weeks mm-hmm. ago with, and, and if anyone wants a very enlightening, super transformational interview that I've done, it's with a, a, a Dr. Suikamar Rao, S-R-I-K-U-M-A-R, R-A-O, Dr. Rao podcast. So he says something that to that effect is so, so simple. And I've practiced it ever since I met Sukumar a year ago. Good thing, bad thing. That's what he asks. He, he, he reminds us to ask ourselves when anything happens that's outside the scope, an interrupter. It's mm-hmm. outside the scope than we had planned. He says that he reminds us to pause and know that sometimes the, the, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing won't be revealed for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So I hear what you're telling me is failure past the board turned out to be such a good thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you wouldn't be the person you are today or, or helping others nearly as much had you not had that, that the awakening that came after mm-hmm. that. And I love what you said too, that you don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing until after. And so I think that also brings up something really important, which is about allowing yourself to experience that in-between, that in-between of the moment where you're experiencing something and then at the end of it where you know the impact it will have on you. Because I think we run away from that in-between. It's freaky. It's scary. It brings about anxiety. It's uncomfortable. And so if you can allow yourself, and I'm practicing this currently, and it's it's a challenge to allow yourself to be in that in-between space and have a sense of knowing and comfort for yourself that there's a lot of growth in that in-between. There's a lot of healing that comes in that in-between. And you're in that in-between for a reason because it's preparing you for what's next. It's allowing you to reflect on what has been and it's preparing you for what's next. And so, yeah, I mean, because you just don't know. You just don't know, but you don't know too how long you're going to be in that in-between. So patience, oh, not my favorite word, but patience is, is definitely key as well. I've learned to make it sort of a game. Mm, yes. So when something, love that. <laughs> it feels like in my, in my, in my world, something kind of dreadful happens about every three weeks. <laughs> There's I, a cycle. Uh, and I were laughing yesterday because we're both, I, I would consider us both social innovators. Mm. We're adding something new to the social contract to think about. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, there is a social innovators roller coaster ride. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. This journey that we are on uh, to, to buck common conventions, like you know, the whole world thinks that the much of the world thinks that that the future looks pretty bleak, and I'm over here going, no, no, it's still an amazing mm-hmm. world. 
that journey and the one that Sydney's on have some commonalities where the ups and downs are quite extraordinary. So now I've made it a game. Mm. When something dreadful happens, <laughs> I just steady myself, stay on my feet, try and have a sense of humor and just wait for the truth about that to reveal itself, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And it's the waiting, as you pointed out, Sydney, that's often the hard part, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that you said you made it, you make it a game for yourself because again, that's allowing yourself to step into that perspective of joy and that perspective of optimism. And, you know, it can be a challenge to step into that perspective. For some of us, it's, it's innate. Some of us, it mm-hmm. feels natural. And then for others, it's a real practice. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've I've had to look at these in-between moments or moments of uncertainty and just say, all right, well, I'm here for a reason. I might as well get comfortable and yeah. I might as well get, you know, okay with it and not push and try yeah. and force my way through because that the more you push and the more you you struggle or muscle your way through it, the more difficult it is. And the more it weighs on you, like with your emotions or physically, it weighs on you so much more heavily. Mm -hmm. So making it a game as opposed to muscling your Mm -hmm. way through it. Oh, that's such good life advice in general. Just, just find a way. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, there's two kinds of reactions in in my, my family. I have three kids and a nice husband. And I look at the scope, the spectrum of how we all process mm-hmm. things that happen that are, that we don't like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's two ways to react. It, my personal impulse is to do just what you said, push. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just want to react, do the next thing, the best thing I can think of and all that. And then I've got three, three people in my circle that would react by just kind of getting paralyzed, mm. just overwhelmed to the point of, of not doing anything and, or, or fearful or, you know, just not wanting to ever go there again. Mm-hmm. And so there's, and no, there's no right or wrong on, on either of that, but I think you and I have arrived at something that's a pretty good piece of advice. Just mm-hmm. make it a game and be patient. <laughs> yeah. And I would say too, I mean, the the range of reactions that you just shared, I think as an individual, we can experience those ranges as well. I mean, there are moments where I feel paralyzed by something. And so I'm so like, oh my God, I can't do this. This is too much, you know, or yeah. it feels too much or overwhelming or intimidating. And uh, I'll never forget some of the best advice my mom has ever given me has been just take a small bite at the overwhelm. Take a small bite at what is paralyzing you. Because if you can take a small bite and prove to yourself that you could do that. So let's say it's just waking up in the morning and uh, and check, you know, doing something that feels overwhelming, your emails, right? Just taking a look at it for five minutes. You've proven to yourself you can, you can do it. It's not going to paralyze you in the same way. I don't know if that's a great example, but of course it's the first one that came to my mind because emails are overwhelming. Um, But I think if you can prove to yourself and give yourself case studies that you can do the hard thing, you can do the thing that's making you feel overwhelmed or paralyzed. Uh, it encourages you and sort of gives you that that boost, that extra like push mm-hmm. and confidence that you can mm-hmm. take a bigger bite the next time. Mm-hmm. So I love what you said because I think at times we all experience those various ranges of of reactions and emotions, sometimes in a moment, sometimes in a day, sometimes in a lifetime. Right. Okay. So that is some that that's some good things for us all to kind of mull over going forward as part of our toolbox. Maybe mm-hmm. what you and I are doing today is just sharing things that we've come across that have become yeah. our 
at the ready in our own toolboxes for coping these days. And uh, okay, so here's another thing I wanted to talk about. So you're such a, a breath of fresh air when mm. in, in your podcast. And I was listening to one after another yesterday. And I, I was constantly reminded throughout of two things that I talk about in my own work a lot. One is be kinder than you need to be. Mm-hmm. And the second one is that goodness can be viral too. Mm. Now, we've talked a little bit about the goodness can be viral part in the way that we could think about everything we do each day as going out and never widening circles. But when I say be kinder than you need to be, is there anything that comes to mind for you? Mm. The first thing that comes to mind is show that kindness to yourself. Show it to yourself first. Um, I think when we think about kindness, when we think about compassion or empathy, we think about giving it to others. We think about going out of our way to give it to others. But the greatest mark, I think, of kindness and compassion and empathy is the way in which you show it to yourself. And so how can you begin to, to show that level of kindness to yourself? And sometimes that means, you know, knowing your own boundaries or your own limitations, respecting the energy level that you have for that day, knowing how much you can actually, you know, do and know how much you need, how much time maybe you need to take to step back. I really think it's the first thing really that came to mind is, It's about how you show it to yourself and knowing that every day won't be the same, meaning you won't show yourself that same level of kindness or compassion and empathy every single day because we're human. We're we're not always consistent in that way. And so part of that kindness is knowing that it will ebb and flow and it will ebb and flow again and, and just returning back to it, I think, as much as you can um, Mm -hmm. and, and being gentle with yourself with it. So that brings up a topic that that um, Dr. Rao also talks a lot about, and I've I've really tried to pay attention to for about the last two decades. And in fact, hmm. this concept is probably one of the formative things that helped me get the courage to start Ever Widening Circles in 2013. Hmm. Is this concept of our mental chatter? That's what Dr. Rao calls it, hmm. mental chatter. I call it head talk. Hmm. I'm always trying to pay attention to the conversations I'm having with mm-hmm, myself. Mm-hmm. You know, lately I've been doing a lot of media interviews in some pretty big markets for this book I've written, Happiness is an Option. And, you know, I'm not a media person. I have no I have no <laughs> background there. I, I'm learning this on the fly. How do I say something in one minute that's impactful mm-hmm. when really to explain my ideas, I need about 10. <laughs> I understand. I get it. So I'll do interviews and I'll be, and most of the time they're, they're okay. Mm-hmm. I'm learning. I'm getting better each time. But you know what? If I listen to my head talk, I would be saying the most dreadful things to myself. Oh yeah. And I'm not like that. Like I would never chastise others for, for their flaws. I, I would never, ever fail to preserve somebody's dignity. It's one of the things I really focus on mm-hmm. is preserving other people's dignity. And sometimes I even as much as I, I work on my head chat, my mental chatter, I, I don't preserve my own dignity. Mm-hmm. Do you, tell me what, how that strikes you. Yeah, I think that goes back to what I shared earlier about negative self-talk and mm-hmm. how when you don't arrive, I think, at an expectation or a bar that you've set for yourself you can say some really nasty, dreadful things, just like you said. And so I think part of my journey has really been learning to interrupt that. So going back to the theme of an interrupter, you know, learning to interrupt those moments where the negative self-talk is 
negative and it's out of control and saying, I've had moments where I say to myself, hold on, is what I'm saying nice? No. Is what I'm saying true? No. Okay. Then let's replace it with something else. So instead of saying, oh, you're so stupid. Why did you mess that up? Saying, all right, well, that didn't go as planned. How can I pivot to learn something from this moment and approach it differently the next time? I'm not always successful at that in the moment, but I think it's about knowing for yourself that you have the power and the ability to interrupt that negative talk uh-huh. that the, I mean, you have the power to interrupt it. And also just like you shared, I would never say that to a friend. I would never say that to a coworker. I would never say that to someone in my family. So yeah. why am I giving myself permission to say it to myself? And I think it definitely takes. You got any tricks? You got any tricks on how we recognize it quickly when we're doing it? Oh, I mean, I think you feel it because you can feel the way it it sits with you. It makes you Uh feel low or small or uncomfortable. And so I think it's about first is identifying the way it makes you feel. If it's not making you feel empowered and stronger and more confident and capable and, you know, for lack of a better expression, filling you with warm fuzzies, it's it's probably not a nice thing to say to yourself. So identifying the way it makes you feel, I think, is the first step in identifying that, hey, what I'm actually saying is harmful or detrimental or just not nice to myself. So that would be the biggest tip that I have. And and then figuring out ways that you can interrupt it with with something else. So instead of the negative, how can you flip it on its head and make it more positive for yourself? And I will say it's practice. And if you're so entrenched in negative self-talk, that negative space of head chatter, like you shared, Mm -hmm. it's going to feel really uncomfortable and really weird to interrupt it right away, but just keep practicing it. And sometimes, I mean, something that I did, gosh, it had to be at least 10 years ago, we all have like the reminder app on our phone. And so if you can create reminders for yourself throughout the day with different positive affirmations, we all have this app on our phone for most of most of us do that allow us to set reminders for the day. And so something that I did, I started to do at least 10 years ago was have these reminders pop up during the day. You are capable. You've got this. Don't allow a moment of doubt or hesitation to stop you from believing in yourself. I mean, it sounds corny, but anything that you can use that will allow you to interrupt, because the thing is, is we're not always aware of when we're in those negative moments in our head. Mm -hmm. Um, So having something pop up throughout the day is so helpful. Mm -hmm. I know people that write positive notes or affirmations on like a sticky note and stick it throughout their home in the bathroom Uh or on a mirror in their closet. And you see it, you see it. And sometimes it feels weird, but it's such a good, it's such a good interrupter. Oh, I love the theme of interrupters because that's exactly what it is. It is. It is. You know, one of the ways that I cope with those, that particular moment of, you know, having not done what I thought I, uh, you know, having that moment where, oh, I didn't nail that, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it may be a conversation with a patient in my office. It may be a conversation with an employee. Whenever I feel like I don't nail that and I want to give myself some head talk grief, I usually catch myself now quite quickly. Now, this is a muscle that you have to exercise that, you know, you're not going to oh, yeah. be able to go and do your best on the treadmill day one. So after you do it a few times, you can catch yourself and decide what you learned. Mm-hmm. So now what happens in my mind is I can quickly dispense with the negativity, the negative head talk. If I decide that like, what's the, what's the big aha moment mm-hmm. and, you know, and say, Oh, okay, here's what I learned from that. And I really internalize it for a moment. I just, pause and really think about it. And then I'm like, okay, 
next time I'm never doing that again mm-hmm. and I'll be better than I was today and off I go and that's the end of it. So that's a nice little trick is to build up your muscles for deciding what there is to be learned mm-hmm. for next time. And then, you know, you just get stronger and stronger yeah. and that, that feels more empowering. What a beautiful perspective that you just shared. You get to decide what you learn, Yes, which, oh, I love that because you get to decide if this is a moment that empowers you or if this is a moment that further paralyzes you, you get to decide what you learn. Oh my God, that is so good. That is yeah. so good. And- I I think it's important. Something that I learned, oh gosh, when I was 15 from a dreadful thing that happened was that we've got to manage the meaning of the things that happen to us. Hmm. This is something that, that we're not doing well in society. We're just letting the meaning of things just sort of evolve. And there's plenty of people who want to manage the meaning of everything for us. Mm For their own agenda, for their own whatever. And, and no, we are critical thinkers. We have been for hundreds of thousands of years. We can't go on autopilot when something bad happens in society, in our community, in our family. We need to man- consciously manage the meaning of that. Mm-hmm. If not, it gets taken away on a boat to nowhere by this <laughs> mental chatter that we're talking about. I don't know. We're, we're all so critical. So anyway, let's stay on the positive. Okay. So I'm sure you have something to add to a way of thinking about a a story that I love to tell. Sydney, a long time ago, well, first of all, let me tell people that you have this wonderful place on your website called the Joy Corner. Mm. First, tell us about the Joy Corner, and then then we'll talk about something that connects ever-widening circles to the Joy Corner. Yeah, it's, um, it's a really beautiful, empowering, corner of the internet is how I describe it. It's a interview style blog series on our website that I started almost two years ago. And every Thursday I feature two new people on the blog. Um, And oh my God, I've been so grateful and honored to share these interviews because I don't even know where to begin. We have authors, entrepreneurs, musicians, podcasters, moms, parents, anybody who just wants to share who they are, what they're passionate about, what has inspired the work that they're doing, what brings them joy. My favorite question to ask is, what is your biggest dream? That's always at the end of those interviews because I don't know how often we talk about our dreams in in a really open beautiful vulnerable way um so so that's a little yeah that's what joy corner is and i'm so glad i started it and now there's this blog portion of of the podcast and the platform it just has opened the door for more people to share yeah who they are you told me me yesterday that you face one of the um one of the critical (laughs) opportunities slash good problems to have we have this too at ever widening circles people send us the most incredibly wonderful things Mm -hmm. and there's there's just not enough places or time to share it all so that you explained this that this is a great response you came up with yeah as a way to share the stuff you couldn't cover on the podcast yeah i mean i told this yeah now i'm remembering i told you this yesterday it's it's my greatest first world problem is to have more (laughs) people who want to be part of the podcast or part of the platform than i as one person could possibly do i mean I I think I told you this too. If I could, I would be talking to a new person every day and publishing that interview every day. But I know my boundaries. I know my limits. I know how much I can do. And and that's just not feasible at the moment. And so 
creating the blog, yeah, you're you're so right. It really afforded me that opportunity to share more people. Yeah. And people love it because not everybody wants to come on a podcast. Some people are right. writers and express themselves uh, through through their writing as opposed to speaking. So yeah, it's uh, it was a really good solution to a really good problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to take a break and hear some wonderful things that are helping the ever widening circles podcast survive and grow and thrive from a lovely group that we're connected to. So I'm going to take a moment to, to pause and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the, how that joy corner relates to the conspiracy of goodness. I'd like to take a break from our chat and thank one of the companies that is proving it is still an amazing world with their work. Pura Vita Bracelets is a jewelry company that provides full-time jobs to artisans worldwide and has partnered with more than 175 charities over the last few years to donate nearly $2.8 million to causes selected by their customers when they make a purchase. It's a wonderful model. On the Pure Vita website, you can even shop by cause, whether it's mental health awareness, cancer, autism, wildlife, suicide prevention, the environment, and so many more. When you buy from one of their charity sets, 5% of your purchase gets donated to the one you choose. We are a Pura Vita affiliate, which means that when you purchase from Pura Vita by using the link provided down in the show notes, we get a small commission from your purchase and that supports us. This means that you can support actually three things at one time, ever widening circles, Pura Vita's great work, and the phenomenal cause you choose. All at the same time, you can do good times three. This is the perfect kind of win-win for our world and our future. Now we'll go back to the show. Okay, so we're back and we want to continue this amazing conversation with thought leader, Sydney Weiss. So Sydney, we we were talking before the, the break about your, your an aspect of your work called the Joy Corner. And it really reminded me when I discovered it in your in your constellation of things that you're offering, it reminded me of a story I tell about the conspiracy of goodness. So I'm gonna tell you this story and then see see what that brings to mind. Mm. So not many people know that during World War II, the small village of Le Chambon, France, managed to save 3,500 Jews from the concentration camps. And this was, you know, this is a tiny French village. It, there was no organization, and it was a huge risk to everyone's lives. But they managed to save thousands, mostly orphans, for several years. And in 1987, there was a rabbi, Harold Schulweiss, who was giving a, a lecture in Europe about that time period in history. And he tells the story of, at the end of his lecture, an old man stood up in the back of the room to say that he had been one of the Dutch rescuers. And the old man asked, why does everyone focus so intensely on the conspiracy of evil that was World War II? He asked, do you think I could have hidden an entire family in my home without the active participation of the milkman, the mailman, and the neighbors? No, the old man said, for every one person saved, there were seven who were rescuers. It was a conspiracy of goodness. Now, when I heard that story and that phrase, conspiracy of goodness, I knew exactly what we had been writing about and sharing with people 
on ever widening circles. Mm -hmm. There is an enormous wave of progress and, and goodness happening in the world that almost no one knows about because of the noise and the chaos and division that's rising to the top on the internet. So tell me what the conspiracy of goodness brings to mind for you, that story. Hmm. I think the first thing it brings to mind is that we all have a role to play. And so ultimately, it's about deciding what role you're going to play and being very mindful and and intentional within that. And I think the milkman, the mailman, the neighbors, all the people that you spoke about in that story, I'm assuming they all made a decision about what role they wanted to play. And that had to come from a space of reflection and understanding of their own values, right? And, and what is important to them and, and then acting from that space and acting from that space, I think takes courage as opposed to defaulting to fear, which when we act or respond from that space of fear, it's it's not in line with who we actually are. It's not in line with our values and what we believe in. When we choose to take that, to be courageous in that moment and choose to respond or participate or our role come from that space of honesty of your own values and honesty of what you believe is possible. And that goes back to kindness and empathy and compassion the role that you're going to play in the world, I think is going to be more profound and I think it's going to have an impact. So, so that's really the first thing um, that popped in my mind um, from that story. And I think it's timely too, like you mentioned to the times that we live in, especially with what is shared online. And so then it goes back to the role that you play in these online spaces and the role that you want to play and knowing about the pebble in the pond and its ripple effect and, I mean, how beautifully does that sum up the entire conversation that we've been having? Yeah, yeah, it really does. You know, I'm I'm working very hard to help people realize that we that it's all about choice. Mm-hmm. It, it's all about what we choose to give our attention to. Yeah, and of course, that's a common thread going through this conversation too. So, I would assume that you've got a few podcasts that you've done interviews that really come to mind. Mm-hmm that would be super helpful right now because what we give our attention to on the internet, in our personal lives, in our working lives is going to determine whether we can open a new era. Hmm. Tell tell me if you could just point people to a few and we're going to put these down in the show notes so you don't have to remember what Sydney says, Hmm. but give us a a short course on some of your favorites that you think be relevant right now. This is like trying to pick your favorite child. I assume if you had children, this is what it would be like. I mean, if I, I mean, I don't have children, but I'm saying if I did, I imagine this is what it would be like. God, where do I start? You know, I've well, been really specifically what what would be what do you which do you think would be useful right now for our times? Yeah. This is this is a this is a difficult point in in history really. Yeah. For parents, for business people, for ordinary folks yeah. just trying to get by. What give me five, four or five that yeah. you think would the... be particularly helpful right now. So there's a few. The first one is episode 108. It's called Impact. And I spoke with Kristen Brandt, who's the founder of co-founder of She's the First. And she just really, she and her co-founder, Tammy, just released a new book all about impact and social change. And um, we had a really 
powerful conversation about your role in impact and your role in social change. And that sometimes that role is being a listener. And the part of it too is identifying for yourself what they call your North Star, which is your what you're passionate about, what missions or messages or organizations really speak to you and identifying it and and sticking with those things. Because in a year where I think so many of us want to be part of impactful change, we want to be part of transformative conversations, we want to play a really powerful, honest role, it can feel very overwhelming and yeah. intimidating. And we wonder, are we saying the right things? Are we doing the right things? Are we contributing in the right way? And I'm tempted to put air quotes over the word right because, you know, I think that's subjective as well. Um, And so that was just a really powerful conversation and I think really timely. Another one that came to mind as, as you were talking is this conversation I had. I think it's episode, it's probably episode 93 and it's a conversation about really turning our mental health into an everyday conversation. And for that episode, I was joined by advocate and activist Akia Red. And Akia has this really beautiful, powerful organization called Real Girls Fart. And FART stands for Fearless, Authentic, Rescuer, Trailblazer. It's not, I just thought it was so funny. And the point of it, the acronym as well, is to destigmatize mental health and to really have mental health be part of our everyday conversations. And we talked about removing the stigma around mental health in that conversation and really the pivotal role of education, both in mental health, but then also in conversations about racism um, and conversations about the role that we play. And so she's a powerful woman. And I was really so excited to have her on the podcast. So that one about mental health and, and our role in really normalizing those conversations was so powerful. Then I had another conversation this year that I think people are going to love. It's uh, episode 96 with John Clarence Stewart and John plays Simon in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. It's a television show on NBC. And John is so grounded in his spirituality and his understanding of the role he plays, I think, as a man, but also the importance of men to really have conversations around mental health and be vulnerable in spaces that traditionally have not welcomed that level of vulnerability from men. And so we had a great conversation about growing into and claiming your voice and using art as a form of healing and also how he changed his perspective of joy by doing inner work. And I think this is timely for our conversation too today, Dr. Linda, because when you can change your perspective around joy, it allows you to step further into it because you're changing your perspective around who you are and the way in which you present yourself in the world. So that conversation with John, totally one of my favorites. Another one, I had a conversation with uh, an intuitive medium this year. Her name is Amy White. And we really, it's, it's episode 105. And we talk about the wisdom of this moment. Because in a year where we can feel that doom and gloom, like you and I have been talking about, it's about making the choice of what you will take from this moment, choosing for yourself what this time period will teach you. And so what Amy shared in that episode I just thought it was so timely and so beautiful because there is a gift to this global pause. There is a gift to this global unrest. And so if you can find it for yourself, you will emerge 
in a new profound way in knowing yourself. It'll allow you to thrive. Um, it's because it's not just about survival. It's really about how do you thrive in moments of adversity and change and uncertainty. So that episode with Amy, it just really, it spoke to me in a super profound way. And then of course, you know, I was lucky enough to have your daughter, Liesl, on the podcast. And so episode 101 with her, I was really touched by that conversation too, because we really spoke to the moment and the the way in which we can approach media right now, which so aligned with my perspective about making sure that we are intentional, not only with what we share, but also with what we ingest. And so Liesl talked so much about approaching media like a well-rounded diet and the impact of sharing good news. And it doesn't have to be good news on, you know, a huge wide scale. It can be something that's happening in your community, both personally, but on a larger scale. And just how in this moment of quarantine, if you can choose curiosity and choose um, a perspective of understanding about slow, continued progress, it doesn't happen right away. It doesn't have to happen, have to happen right away. That's a huge perspective shift too. So those are the ones that really come to mind. I think too, if I could name two more, if you don't mind. Yeah, please. Two years ago, I had a phenomenal conversation with a woman. Her name is Josette Kasik, and she's an internationally renowned Zumba instructor. And she, this is episode 58, and she was diagnosed with advanced rheumatoid arthritis and she healed herself. And her what she shared in that episode about listening to yourself, listening to your inner voice, trusting it, paying attention to the interrupters, the signs and the symbols that life and, and the universe sort of give us and, and choosing to live your life from a space of that inner peace and inner joy. It was just such a beautiful, transformative conversation for me. I, I love Josette. She's such a powerhouse in kindness and powerhouse in compassion. So I would definitely recommend that. And then the last one I have to talk about is episode 50 with Myrna Valerio, aka the Myrnavator. And Myrna is a phenomenal person. I felt so grateful to sit down with her. We really talked about choosing a life of, of adventure and redefining for ourselves the labels that exist in this world. And so Myrna is an ultra marathon runner. Okay. So she's she's running like 40 something miles. But what sets her apart or maybe what makes her different is that she's um, a plus size woman. And so she's not someone who you would necessarily expect by society's quote unquote standards to run an ultra marathon. So, I mean, the conversation we had about perseverance and your own spirit and community and how the community she built around herself, both people she knew and didn't know really lifted her up in moments of difficulty and scrutiny. And she talks about living her life publicly and being vulnerable in these spaces and and really allowing herself to push herself outside of her comfort zone. And I found myself listening to that episode and Josette's episode again this year because the wisdom they share is so timeless. And I think ties into to our conversation. So th- those are the episodes. I mean, I'm telling you, there's oh, over a hundred. So I, I had a, but those are the ones that really, yes, and I'm sure if I've given you a different, a, yeah, if I've given you a different criteria, set of brackets, you would have named eight different ones. Totally. Um, totally. Uh, just for our times, you know, people, people are finding their time so precious. And, and, and I, I, I thank you so much for that. Those mm-hmm. are little golden nuggets. And I also, of course, encourage people to dive been all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sydney's podcast, because it's very useful 
very helpful, very practical. I mean, these are times when when we can when we can really craft what we give our attention to, and that is a gift to all of us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing I really want to highlight, which we haven't talked a lot about, is that you talk a lot. You you're quite quite focused on finding joy. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of disappointment in society when people are seeking happiness instead of joy. Mm-hmm. In fact, because happiness is so fleeting, it's so dependent on others. So I, I like to say that, you know, we can't always be happy, but we can almost always find something to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's a takeoff of something that a wonderful uh, monk, uh, David Stendhal Raston, says. Um, so I don't want to claim <laughs> dominion over that that notion because that's really what his work reminds us of that we that we can't always be happy but we can always find jo- something for to be grateful for. So where does joy fit in that continuum? That that whole swirling happiness, joy, great gratitude, all that. Give me give me some notions about that, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, I, I think actually you hit the nail on the head when you said that happiness is often, I think this is what you said, happiness is often tied to something external. And I think what for me, what has really set happiness and joy apart is joy stems from the internal. It stems from who you are. It stems, it's a very personalized experience. And so, I mean, I have people ask me all the time, how do I find joy? And I tell them it really isn't a one size fit fits all because you have to choose, I think, to do this inner work and this inner exploration. And I should probably take a step back and say, inner work doesn't have to be work in the sense that it's challenging or that it requires so much effort that you resent it. Inner work is really inner exploration. It's really a choice to take a step back and get to know yourself. And I always tell people, think about what you love to do as a kid. Were you somebody who liked to be outside in the dirt, you know, going, rolling around? Or were you creating worlds inside of your bedroom? Were you coloring? Were you painting? You know, what did you love to do when you were really young? And so if you can remember that and think about, okay, I loved to create. So what is something I can create now? And it's so funny because at the beginning of quarantine, I started beating bracelets. No reason why, other than I really love the process of creating putting something together and using my hands and and just seeing something come as a result of it. So joy is personalized and it's very individual and it stems from really knowing, you know, who you are and what you love and what lights you up. And it's a journey to uncover that. There's a lot of trial and error. Something that you think will, you know, bring you joy may actually not. So you you start again. But gratitude plays a huge role in that too because allowing yourself to step forward more profoundly and comfortably in gratitude allows you to experience more joy because it's a elevation of feeling or of thought that really go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So I think those two are intertwined and then happiness comes as a result of that joy. Um, I think it's a beautiful byproduct. Yeah. Oh, that's a lovely way to say it. So, so great. Okay. So Tell us exactly where people can connect with your work yeah, first. Um, and then perfect. Well, I have to say thank you for this conversation. This has been so much fun and such a great way to start off my Friday before we head into a weekend. So I can't thank you enough for, for the opportunity to sit down and talk with you and, and have this conversation. You can find 
all things Seek the Joy podcast are on our website, seekthejoypodcast.com. We are at Seek the Joy podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can search Seek the Joy wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And as Dr. Linda mentioned, our interview style blog series, Joy Corner, is on the website. We have a sister podcast called Stories of Inspiring Joy, which you can also access through Seek the Joy. And there's so many beautiful interviews, conversations, moments of vulnerability and courage throughout the last three years. So I encourage anyone just to poke around and and see what resonates and um, reach out and say hi to you. I'd I'd love to meet you and be connected. Oh, that is just super. And you've already connected me to to someone special. I told you this morning, I'm I'm going to chat with one of your guests next Wednesday. Oh, I love that. I I love that. it, It goes back to what you said about throwing that pebble in the pond. You just never yes, know really. who will re- who it'll reach and, and the inspiration and impact it'll have on somebody else. Absolutely. So I always have one last question I'd like to ask people as we exit. So Ever Widening Circles is the name of, of the constellation of things that we're doing in the, this world. We have a children's website. We have this podcast and webinars and all kind of book and mm-hmm. the whole thing. Our second line that we almost never say the words ever widening circles without also saying it is still an amazing world. That's our goal to prove it's still an amazing world. So what reminds you every day that it's still an amazing world? I'll have to say it's conversations like these. It's moments in connection. It's moments of connection that bring about a deeper understanding, a deeper understanding of who you are, but also a deeper understanding of the world. And I will say too, something that that I've been taught since I was very, very young and my grandpa used to say this all the time is, he wouldn't say this directly, but it would come through indirectly through his stories is always look for the goodness in another. Always look for the kindness in another. I would have moments where I would be so frustrated and he would say, you know, he would want me to take a step back and, and, and really understand the person and who they're coming, where they're coming from and who they are. And I think if we can remember that there is goodness within each and every one of us, and sometimes it's just about taking a step back to recognize that goodness in another, we can be reminded of the goodness that exists in the world and the goodness that connects all of us, which comes from that space of compassion and love and empathy and connection. Ultimately, we're all looking for the same things. We are all looking to support one another and coexist in, I think, a really beautiful and profound way in the world. And if we can remind ourselves of that, we're better for it. And we'll, we'll continue to see the goodness that exists yeah. in all of us. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Sydney. We we didn't get to half my questions. I always say that at the end of the <laughs> interview. <laughs> I love this. This was so much yeah. fun. So such good. Well, we let, so let the good. conversation go on its own path. And that, those are the those are the best totally. conversations. So thank you so so much. For more information about Sydney's work or any of the subjects we talked about, you can check out the show notes below. We have a fabulous organization that helps us edit and produce this this podcast. And so you can find everything that Sydney mentioned or I mentioned down below. And as always, dive into the ever-widening circles universe by visiting ewc.co. I know, everwideningcircles.com is a mouthful and it's a a lot of tapping. So we've also grabbed ewc.co so you can get there quicker. And if there's students in your life, turn them loose on our education site at ewced.com. It's truly one of those places in the world that is for free 
connecting children, wonder and education. There's a connection. We've got to show children that so they became lifelong lovers of learning and the world around them. And subscribe to the Ever Widening Circles app. The number one question I get from people when they discover Ever Widening Circles, they realize right away that we don't seem to have any advertising agenda. And they say, geez, how do you pay for this? How can I help? And the number one thing you can do is download the app and support us there. This is a way to not only have the antidote to the daily news in the palm of your hand, <laughs> which is going to be very useful as the m- months unfold, but it also, if, if we can get a million people to download the Everwidening Circles app in the next year, we can send a signal to content creators that people will support positive media. We can ditch the noise and the shouting and the division. So that's a great way to help. And I hope all the connections that you get here to goodness and progress carry through your week and you'll start finding all the joy that Sydney talks about and all the wonder that I talk about. Have a great day.